This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 88, Impromptu Speaking and Winning a Table Topics Contest with our guest, Blaine Zook. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Today, we have a special guest. His name is Blaine Zook. He lives just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada in District 99. He's been an area director, a former club president, and he's a member of Don Breaker's Toastmasters. Blaine's been a Toastmaster for almost nine years, and he just has one more step to complete his Distinguished Toastmaster designation. Blaine grew up and lives on a farm. He does his own mechanics, construction, and a whole bunch of computer repair. He has an MBA. He's a project management professional. He's a project manager and change manager in the healthcare informatics field. He works primarily on construction sites and with industrial workers. He's currently working on his certified management consulting designation, and he's looking to build his practice and is using speaking as a platform to connect team members together. And we're speaking to Blaine today because at the District 99 Fall Conference, he was the winner of a table topics contest. Blaine, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Greg. How does it feel to win a table topics competition? It feels pretty wonderful, Greg, especially when it's my uh, second go-round in trying to do so. And uh, to finally catch that uh, gold, if you like, it's a really good feeling. For those of you who are not familiar with table topics, table topics is impromptu speaking, where an individual is given a question, general in nature, where it doesn't require any specific knowledge or any prior knowledge. And that individual has roughly two minutes to come up with a cohesive answer. Blaine, maybe tell us a little bit about the competition itself. How does the Table Topics competition work? Well, the competition starts very basic at your club level where you're, you're competing against people within your club, your regular meetings, and then you'll work up through tiers winning competitions until you get to the final. Okay, so you go club and then area, then division, and then district, and of course, Table Topics ends at the district the other competitions like the International Speech Contest goes right to the World Championship. So what are the mechanics in terms of how the competition works when you actually arrive there? How does that work? Well, you would work your way up through the the four different levels. So starting at the club level, you'll be competing against other members within your club and then it moves into the area. Now, each level that you move up, you're getting the best of the prior level. So people are, are learning a few skills. They're learning to answer the question with maybe a little more finesse all the way up until you get to the fourth and final stage. At the competition itself, how is it kind of structured so that people aren't hearing what the question actually is? The way they work, they work the question is you'll have about five or six participants in any particular competition, and they'll have three questions typically hidden in an envelope. They will walk the rest of the competitors out of the room so they can't hear the question. The first competitor will, will draw one of the envelopes so that it's a brand new question. There's no way that you would know what it is and then it is read out loud to the first competitor. Uh, everybody else is out of the room, so the first competitor has an, an opportunity to answer, and then they'll bring in the second, third, and fourth, so on, so that we each hear it fresh for the first time, and there's no advantage or disadvantage. So out of curiosity, is it better to speak first or speak last? You know, there's uh, mixed feelings on that, because uh, some people like to get it first so they can hear the rest of the, the participants. I, I've done both, actually. I've been the first in one competition, the last, And at the final one, I was right in the middle. So I I think that goes to show that there really is no advantage. Uh, The advantage would be coming in earlier, you get to hear the other respondents. 
if you're the last, you don't know how the others did compared to yourself. I'd like to know what the winning question was and how you answered it. And what was your thought process while you were answering it? You know, I, I get asked this question a lot of times is how do you prepare? How do you, what's your thought process? And when I started off competing, I used to think table topics was the easiest one to answer because you, you can't prepare. Um, you don't know what the question is. You just go and do your best. But what I've learned, and I've been in Toastmasters for nine years, I've competed before, is there are some methods to preparing and answering uh, that question. So in this particular case, we had the Dana Jaya had come in from Sri Lanka and not seen snow before. He arrived at our conference uh, with a snow shovel we gave him. But, but the, the question that they posted to everybody is, how do you describe winter to somebody who has never seen snow? Wow, that sounds like a great question. So it was a great question. Dan and Jaya Hediarachi was the 2014 world champion of public speaking. Of course, he's from Sri Lanka. And he was visiting District 99, Prince Albert, up in northern Saskatchewan. So yes, it was probably a little bit of a weather shock for him. Correct. And it was minus 20, I believe, when he arrived and there was snow on the ground. So it was a very timely question. I don't know what the other two would have been. But when you're faced with this question, you're not prepared. How do you describe winter to somebody who has never experienced snow? So to prepare myself for any question, I, I try to think of a bunch of scenarios. In this one, and, and this is taking straight from Dan Jay's tips, is give yourself a couple of seconds to think of this scenario. So when I go about answering a question, I, I do it from a very emotional point of view where I try to think, how does winter impact me on an emotional level? I start creating that story in my head before I even open my mouth. So I took advantage of the first four seconds to form the end of the story before I even started. Mm -hmm. okay. In this case, I brought back memories of growing up ice fishing, snowmobiling with, with dad and mom on New Year's Eve, making snow angels, feeling the cold. And this is all happening in the first couple seconds. So I will start my response by sharing those emotions with the group. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever had your cheeks rosy from the wind? I grew up ice fishing with dad and laid on many an, an ice sheet looked down the holes and felt snow down my back. It creates um, an emotion to start with. I can feel the chills coming through already. Then you can greet, you know, do the formal greeting. Good morning, good afternoon, how are you doing? It buys you a few more seconds in your head to create the rest of the story. Now the idea of the table topics is to have that opening, the body, and the conclusion. The next 60 seconds in my head are really a blur. I, I sometimes don't remember myself how I responded. <laughs> I'll talk about the different events in my life that how winter has impacted me. I'll talk about the sensations that you can't get on a beach, chills down your back, snow. I talked a little bit about making snowballs, this, taking this form that you can pack together or make a slush and you can throw it at your best friend. So you bring some joy and laughter into the experience. Maybe reach out to other people in the audience that might relate to snow. And so I created some images. I mean, people like a story. It all comes down to telling a good story and something that you can relate and get a few laughs with. And how did you wrap up? Well, that was an interesting part is, is uh, with table topics, you have two minutes. And in the past, I've usually pushed it right to the end with fear of, of going over. Of course, coming back to my early childhood stories is a good way to wrap it up. So if I could get back to the ice fishing part, if I could get back to throwing snowballs at my brother, that would have been the ideal way to wrap it up. It's not the way it worked out for me. What I ended up talking about, and I was looking at the timing lights because you have two minutes to two minutes and 30 seconds. I said, well, snow, 
it's a white delight. And at that point, I was looking at the lights, and they were red. And I thought, I can't get back to the story of my brother and dad. So I just left it at that. I said, you know, winter gives you chills, and snow is a white delight. It's what we call winter. And I ended it right there. And it seemed to be a good wrap-up for me at that point. I covered off what I had to. I hit it with a nice emotion. It was a bit of a rhyme, and it seemed to work in my favor. That's interesting because it sounds like you talked about what you knew. I mean, you grew up in a farm. You did a lot of ice fishing as a kid. I thought that was great. I mean, I think that's a really good technique is to speak about what you know. I also like the way you connected with people, people who are from the Great White North where it gets very, very cold. You're telling them stories and they're starting to remember probably their their history or maybe what they did, maybe what they did last week or maybe what they're going to do over the holiday season. For those people who are from the warmer climates, perhaps you're helping them imagine something that maybe they've only seen on television or on YouTube videos. And that is a key part of it, Greg, is I, I did allude to shaving ice or trying to make a, a snow cone, but it's not the same as immersing yourself. Placing yourself into a snow cone would be the best way to describe it. So you do have to relate to all audience members to carry that across. Now, other participants and, and used very good techniques that I totally skipped over. They got talking about the snowflake itself and the sparkling and the crystal in it, where I focused on maybe the, the air and the sounds of the crunching snow under your feet and other aspects of it. But, but you're right, it's that emotional impact of your audience is who you're really focused on. There isn't necessarily one way to, to answer a table topic question. I mean, as long as you have an open, a body, and conclusion, there are a number of, of different methods. Is there anything in particular? Or are there any other methods that you might use to answer questions? Well, some people will actually turn the question right around. If they don't have an answer for the question, they will make up something on their own or they'll change gears a little bit. They may say, well, I don't know anything about snow, but I'll tell you about sand. And that might work at a, at a club level or an area level. But when you do get to the district, part of the scoring system, the first 55 out of 100 points are around the opening body and conclusion. But after that, they look, are you staying on topic? Are you building the message throughout your story? And then, of course, there's the emotional aspect, the energy, the body language. And those are other pieces that I was very intent and focused on working in correctly. Uh, if I can share with you as an example, Dan and Jay shared with us the night prior is stand up straight. Keep on your toes so you have a nice structure. I went in that morning early and I walked the stage. I got a feel for where the lectern was, where the audience members would be sitting. I, I ate a, a light, healthy breakfast, so I was energized, and I came out really intent on giving it my full focus on what I wanted to deliver that morning. So beyond just the story, there was everything else that goes into making that delivery energetic and accurate. Yeah, I think if you can't answer the question directly, I mean, the whole idea behind impromptu speaking, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about this afterwards in terms of the importance of impromptu speaking, but my thoughts are... Yes, you're, you're right. At the club level, quite often people will change the question. But I'm also thinking what they could do is find perhaps find a way to relate to it. So, for example, if you really couldn't easily zero in on how you would describe winter to someone, perhaps you could describe a scenario where maybe the car broke down and it was cold outside so that people can maybe imagine some of the other things. Even though you're not directly describing winter, you're talking about the effects of what it would have. Yeah, and I think what you're getting at that is the whole spirit of table topics. The idea is getting out and speaking comfortably about what you are familiar with and what you do know. So if you're at a dinner party or you're meeting somebody for the first time and they throw at you, how do you like this sports team? 
Now, perhaps you don't know anything about sports, but you're expected to answer. Mm-hmm. So that would be an ideal example where table topics or the practice of it would maybe help you in the real world. So if you were to ask me, what do you think of this sports team? I could work around that question for two minutes and say, well, my kids played sports. And I know you have to arrive early and go home late, and there's a lot of sweat in between. And I maybe didn't answer the question about sports team, but I captured the interest of the person who threw me that question. And it it was a building block to go forward from there. And that's really the whole spirit of table topics. That actually makes sense. So instead of someone says, hey, you know, what'd you think of last night's game? You know, you're not going to say, well, you know, last night I was on my computer working on this really great Excel spreadsheet, right? (laughs) Right. In which case, you've totally changed topics. And the idea is maybe not answer the question directly, but but answer it in a way that the person who, who engaged you you can continue the conversation. You can build on it and maybe get back a question or, or another discussion that will carry you on forward. So maybe not talk about last night's hockey game, but maybe say, you know, you went to a hockey game a couple of weeks ago or you saw one a couple of weeks ago and maybe even talk a little, about, little bit about that. Well, yeah, and, and it's funny because even the weekend of the competition, there was uh, the football game, the Grey Cup game was going on, and, and they were quite often playing in the snow. So in the back of my mind, I'm trying to work, how can I – I work the local events of football and snow into one, weave it into my answer. It never worked out that way. I simply ran out of time, but that's another good example. Yeah, that's the other thing too. You got to make sure that you stay on time because that once that red light goes on, you've got 30 seconds to finish. And I don't know, some people are really good at knowing exactly when 30 seconds are, but sometimes you just have absolutely no clue. Are there any other techniques? Like, for example, I know, I remember hearing one of the Oreo method where you given an opinion, a reason, an example, and then you restate your opinion. Are there any other methods that you've heard of or any other methods that you use? I do recall it, something about a shell on each side and lots of cream in the middle, <laughs> but I don't recall it offhand, yeah. As far as methods, what I, what I have done to prepare and I continue to do is, is put about 12 stories in my head well ahead of time. What I found, the winning table topics usually have an emotional component tied to family or maybe a childhood event or something that most people can relate to. So if you have a few stories in your head, you can draw on those. And it might be, I could have pulled up a story of sliding down a hill with my granddaughter. In this case, I was ice fishing with my father. It might have been taking my kids for a walk in the woods. So I had a few of them, and it's just a matter of putting the right season and event and emotion into the question that was put at you. So that's one of the techniques that I use is come prepared with many stories that you can weave in. Table topic competitions are great. They're actually pretty exciting. They're a learning opportunity for everyone. But I think the whole idea in general is to have people become better at impromptu speaking, right? Pretty much speaking on the cuff. In your business, in your industry, how important is impromptu speaking? And Greg, that's probably one of the big takeaways that a lot of people get from Toastmasters, even more so than the competition. I mean, the competition is nice. It exercises your skill a little bit. But it's amazing when people walk into Toastmasters for the first time and are asked or invited to give a t- respond to a table topic. And there's a flush look. People are, are caught off guard maybe or uh, they stretch only to 10 seconds and they, they say that's all they can think of. But within the first few months of coming to the regular meetings, you can just see the ahs and ahms dro- drop off. The story has an opening and the body that follows the question. So it just builds that confidence. And that's a transferable skill that I know I've taken back to work, engaging clients when it comes to opening meetings and having a question thrown at you. You realize you don't have to fumble around. You can pause for a moment, answer the question, ask for clarification. So it's one of those practices 
that just helps you read throughout your career in life. I know for me, when I first joined earlier on, and of course, it's part of my key stories that when I when I tell when I go out and I speak to individuals how I didn't quite make it past 12 seconds. And my mentor, Bob, who happened to be the timer said, no, Greg, it was 11.93. And putting my head down and looking at the clock like a schoolboy waiting for the three o'clock bell. And then I wasn't coming back until my my mentor convinced me to come back. And then just a few years ago, I didn't make it to the district level like you did. I, I won at club, won at area, came in second at at division. It certainly opened a lot of doors for me. And I'm just thinking, looking back here, of course, looking at your bio, project manager and change manager, you're in healthcare. You're talking about construction sites. So, I mean, that's incredible. How do you use that impromptu speaking there? I think the biggest part is I go to a lot of dinner meetings or, or mixer meetings where you're engaging different clients. And it's always the same, put your hand out, hi, how are you, what do you do? It's good to have a comfort level to respond or to build on an area of interest. So if you're throwing something perhaps you're not familiar with, for me it would be accounting as an example, but I could ask a few questions, maybe give a couple of examples of what I do know of accounting, and then just build the conversation. It's it's a lot stronger engagement method than cheaply bowing your head and, and turning the other way. So as far as building that client relationship, it's invaluable. One of your areas of expertise is working with and motivating a remote virtual workforce. So I can imagine that being able to quickly get your point across would be even more challenging given that you you don't necessarily have a face-to-face audience. Yeah, and you know what, that's one of the challenges. As we, as we switch to text and email, we're losing a lot of that connection that we get either in person or more importantly, as you mentioned, in a remote environment is when you have to pick up the phone and engage somebody, respond to these questions or ask good questions and be audible. You know, when we talk about the opening body and conclusion, that comes right down to the phone conversation too when you're posted a question to be able to respond to that question and close it off in a logical, systematic manner. So very important. It's a skill that only through practice can you really become good at, refine that, and, and keep it at the top of your game if you like. You need a post-it note stuck in front of your keyboard. No, you need a post-it note posted on your computer that says OBC, open body conclusion. Remember OBC. Yeah, as we're making these phone calls, as we're engaging with new clients, being able to respond and continue the conversation is so, so important. I use that every day in my, my practice, my skill in talking to people. It can only happen through practice, and Toastmasters has been a big part of keeping me sharp in that, that area. Excellent. I'm just going to ask you to give us maybe one tip, and I'll give you a choice. It can either be a tip for a successful table topic or a tip for the general audience when it comes to impromptu speaking. Your choice. Well, I think the general audience, I've spoken to a lot of Toastmasters, but when we look at the general audience, of what's a, t- a tip to engage good conversation with somebody is really come back to that point of opening body and conclusion. As I mentioned earlier about the sports example, if somebody throws you a question and you don't feel comfortable in answering it, slow down the conversation. Just give yourself a second to stop and think about what you do know about it. You find this in the formal table topics, even at the club level, is about three or four seconds in, finally you have the answer. Uh. And so to the general public, when, when you're engaged with a question that somebody throws at you and maybe you're not ready for I mean, a common response, and I don't like it, is, oh, that's a good question, thank you. A better technique is just pause for a moment. Just pause. It won't make you look silly or dumb. It'll, it'll help you to reflect on what you do know about it. And it might not be directly related to the question that was thrown at you, 
But somewhere in there is a tidbit that you can pull on. Wait just that extra second, start talking to what you do know, and the rest will flow out of you naturally. You'll, you'll surprise yourself as you start going and slow it down how intelligent you can actually be. That one second can seem like an hour for some people. It really does. And again, you know, that's where the practice of Toastmasters does help out. It makes you realize that one second is very brief and your brain works pretty quick. Become comfortable with it. Just get comfortable with that one or two second pause, formulate your thoughts, speak slowly, and it will come. I think that's a great piece of advice. Blaine, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach you? Well, the best way is as uh, I'm building my speaking practice is just go to blainspeaks.com. I'll have some information on there, how you can reach out to me, offer a few more tips and advice on engaging people in ad hoc situations, how I can help you perhaps in a consulting perspective. So that's Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E, speaks.com. You got it. That's correct. Blaine Zook, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Congratulations on winning the Table Topic Contest and... It looks like you only have one more step to complete that distinguished Toastmaster designation. Lane Zook, all the best. Thank you very much, Greg. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmasters specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com. <laughs>